Okay, so we've had uh, different kinds of problems for different segments of the sector. Remind, uh, remember the, the power sector, like I mentioned, is divided into, you know, it's a value chain of uh, various components and moving parts, right? So we have the generation, the distribution, the transmission, the rural electrification, and the likes. Welcome to The Spark, a part series by Brute Consulting discussing ideas that spark transformational growth. In each episode, we engage the best industry experts and thought leaders on strategic and innovative ideas for exponential business and institutional growth. Sit back and enjoy. With us today on Spark is a thoroughbred professional and one of few individuals with incredible experience and qualification in rural electrification. Dr. Sanusi Mohamed Ohari is the current executive director of Rural Electrification Fund at Nigeria Rural Electrification Agency. He obtained his bachelor's degree in economics from University of Jos, a master of science degree in energy studies with specialization in energy finance from Center for Energy, Petroleum, Mineral Law, and policy in University of Dundee, Scotland, United Kingdom. He also obtained his doctoral degree in rural energy development from prestigious Institute for Energy and Sustainable Development, the Montfort University, Leicester, United Kingdom. He's a member of International Association of Energy Economics, Lagos Oil Club, Society for Petroleum Engineers, and Energy Institute of United Kingdom. Dr. Harry, I'm glad to have you on Spark. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, let's start. As the Executive Director for Rural Electrification Fund, can you tell us exactly what Rural Electrification Agency do? And how is it different from other uh, energy agencies like TCN or other energy distribution companies? Okay, so uh, thank you very much. The Rural Electrification Agency uh, is a creation of uh, the Electric Power Sector Reform Act of 2005, which basically um, spells out or regulates the structure, the current structure of the power sector. Uh, so uh, our role in the Act is basically to promote, provide, and support rural electrification. And uh, it was important to have an implementing agency such as ours because you know, the, uh, the, the market was going into a private uh, sort of arrangement whereby uh, the, the generation arm, the distribution arm, and the transmission arm of the old uh, monopoly that we had at NEPA was, was now in private hands. So what that meant was that, you know, at, at the time, electricity access was still around uh, maybe 40-something percent of the country, we still had uh, effectively 50-something percent that, you know, were not covered by the arrangement where distribution uh, of power, you know, would get to. So it was important for government to have an agency such as us to take care of those people, especially the unserved and underserved in rural areas, uh, you know, to provide electricity to them while waiting for the grid, you know, to be extended. And as you know, decisions around extending access to some of these communities being in private hands has to do with viability and profitability and all of those things. So uh, obviously, there'll be a lag, a lag period uh, to allow for the discourse to settle in, understand the market, you know, make some money and then try to expand. 
you know, uh, in line with our expansion plans. So we are an implementing agency, uh, you know, uh, set up by government to provide access to electricity to those unserved and underserved areas. And, uh, and which, of course, is, 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 is a lot. The quantum of people that are currently unserved, we are looking at uh, about 80 million Nigerians. Uh, so it's a, it's a Herculean task. Uh, so we have the agency and then we have the Relification Fund, which is meant to also, in line with the Act, try to partner with private uh, you know, uh, developers you know, to, to, to provide these services. So basically, government is moving away from the way it used to do things, but where they just uh, look, do tonky projects, you know, uh, get EPC contractors um, you know, to put projects without having or thinking through the, uh, you know, the sustainability O&M of those projects. So the idea of the fund is to now help the agency to, to structure uh, projects uh, you know, through very good business models with uh, private developers that can now uh, you know, uh, put this, implement these projects on our behalf and then also bring in some of their money, uh, invest in, in, in the projects uh, you know, for rural communities where they can now make their money over time. So this arrangement ties them to this community for upwards of 15, 20 years, providing uh, services uh, and trying to make them happy. So that you know their business can grow as well. So we are now moving away from uh, government just uh, putting projects on the ground, uh, you know, without with, without having solid sustainability plan, to uh, partnerships where uh, you know uh, you know the vision uh, you know is is to have uh, those people there for upwards of 15, 20 years, providing services you know you know to those rural communities, and that's what we've been doing uh, for the last uh, four years. Thank you so much. I mean, that sounds uh, interesting. Uh, you know, try to bring the private arms into uh, energy development uh, in Nigeria. If I may ask you, how how successful do you think it is currently? Uh, to be honest, we've uh, recorded a lot of uh, success. Um, you know, initially we had teething problems. You know, uh, because you know the acts, like I mentioned, had been there since twenty two thousand five. Uh, the agency, you know, started operating in 2006, and the act, you know, specifically mentioned that one year after uh, setting up the agency, we should have uh, a rural education strategy and implementation plan. Unfortunately, uh, this didn't happen until we came on board in 2017. So that's the foundation, the first uh, rural education fund uh, call, and the currently ongoing uh, rural education fund uh, second call uh, for proposals. You know, projects are are doing well, um, and then on the strength of that, we even uh, you know, gotten some money from World Bank to to develop a new program around the concept of REF, which is called the Nigerian Electrification Project. Uh, you know, it's a $350 million uh, you know, loan to the, to the government where we're providing this kind of uh, services uh, similar to what we're doing in the REF. And on the strength of that as well, um, you know, we, real, uh, we got some, some funds, uh, you know, in, in, as a way of concessional loans from CBN uh, through the five billion solar power Niger project, you know, uh, to piggy bank and support, you know, the programs that already have on the ground, especially from the de- finance uh, angle, because one of the major challenges is, you know, getting funds, you know, uh, at concessional rates that can support what we are doing in rural communities. Usually, conventional rates, you know, are upwards of over twenty percent. Uh, so it's important for us to deliberately look for those sort of uh, funds that, that would work with uh, the, the current arrangement and business model that we have for, to, to incentivize developers 
you know, to go into uh, rural communities. So yeah, it's, it's been very, it's been very uh, successful. Uh, our problem now is to uh, scale up as quickly as possible so that we can meet uh, the access target uh, rate of uh, 2030. Uh, you know, uh, uh, in line with the United Nations Sustainable Energy for All targets of providing electricity access to all. That, that's very interesting. Thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, if you look at a few decades ago, um, the ratio of uh, urban rural in Nigeria or rural and urban uh, in Nigeria is in the neighborhood of 65%. That is 65% Nigerians actually in the urban, I mean, in the rural areas because uh, we are as is more of an economy driven by agriculture. But today, 48.04% are in the rural area. So there is massive migration of people from the rural area to the urban area. Okay, maybe because yeah. there's lack of, uh, you know, infrastructure like electricity, you know, and what have you. In your own view, why do you think power generation and distribution to the rural areas have been a major problem. You said 80 million Nigerians are those that you estimated to be in the rural areas. Maybe they are more, but they may not be less than that. So why is it being an equivalent task to generate enough power? Especially when you know that Nigeria has the lowest, one of the lowest uh, uh, net electricity generation per capita in the world. Why has it been a major problem? Okay, so we've had uh, different kinds of problems for different segments of the sector. Remind, uh, remember the, the power sector, like I mentioned, is divided into, you know, it's a value chain of uh, various components and moving parts, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the generation, the distribution, the transmission, the rural electrification, you know, all of, uh, and the likes. So uh, let me speak uh, to the rural electrification first uh, before I move into, you know, uh, the grid one. So for rural electrification, the problem we had uh, before was the lack of attention you know, to the sector, everybody was focusing on, on the grid side of things. They wanted to understand and solve the problems of generation, transmission and distribution. Uh, the political will and all of the funding was going into the grid side. That has changed now because uh, of the political will uh, that the government now has to ensure that rural communities have access, you know, uh, to electricity. This is also largely informed by various plans and policies that we've worked on over the years. Uh, to, to in line with global trend in energy transition, really, uh, to, to inform the government that, you know, uh, while we are trying to solve the problem of the grid, it is important for us to have a robust energy mix and also look at how we can tackle the problem of 80 million Nigerians that currently don't have access. Um, you know, the numbers were there, especially for mini grids, uh, for smaller communities, below one megawatt was developed. And that was for me the watershed moment for us in this sector uh, because it created all the enabling environment and, you know, sort of uh, give succor to, uh, you know, um, um, private developers. It's, you know, for, for investors, they need clarity on how everything is done. And if there's a regulation that speaks to that, you know, it makes them happy and it makes them want to invest. And then uh, we also had, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, appointment of, you know, capable hands into the, you know, over the, to take over the leadership of the Rural Education Agency four years ago. Who, who has now been the driver. Uh, before then, there was no major driver, you know, in this, in this regard. So we have now taken, you know, that mantle and uh, we, are, we are driving it, we are coordinating the space, we are working with international development agencies, we are working with sister agencies and governments, you know, working with states, local government, communities, and basically just being 
you know, that's our mandate, that part that talks about coordination is now effectively, um, you know, uh, you know, started, you know, uh, coordinating the space. So uh, this is why you see that there's a lot happening within the off-grid space and, uh, you know, it has really helped, you know, with meeting some of the targets of uh, renewable energy, uh, you know, in Nigeria. So that's for the renewable energy side. So finance was also a problem and it's still a problem, but uh, you can see efforts from government, like I've mentioned, you know, which, I mean, this area of raising funds is actually my area. I've been able to raise a lot of money uh, but it's still not enough, given the the magnitude and the scale of the problem. Um, um, so, so we raised money from, uh, like I said, World Bank three fifty million dollars, uh, African Development Bank two hundred million dollars. Uh, CBN has provided a concessionary loan of about one forty billion. So, if you qualify for some of these programs, you can now meet up with uh, the CBN loan. Um, you know, we have uh, our yearly uh, capital projects, which we still do. Um, you know. And the government provides money, you know, uh, for that as well. My rural education fund as well has been mobilizing various, uh, you know, um, 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 funds like the one with the GIZ. Uh, I mean, with the European Union and German government, you know, funded, funded, uh, implemented by GIZ is about ten million euros. You know, uh, UNDP providing about eight point something million dollars. You know, a couple of uh, uh, you know sister government agencies are now providing guarantees for even some of the developers to get this loan from CBN, like NSI. We are, we are in discussions with them; they're guaranteeing up to about twenty billion. Uh, Petroleum equalization fund, you know, providing uh, guarantees up to about twenty billion. You know, so so that uh, we can have off takers of this loan, and they can go on and do projects on the ground. State governments as well are, are providing guarantees. So these are some of the things that we had to do within the rural education space, you know, to activate, um, you know, a lot of uh, the projects that you're seeing now. And uh, it was necessary to bring everybody on board, really. So, so the problem used to be all of these things that I'm mentioning that we're now doing. So the problem used to be there was no regulation, there was no policy, there's no political will, there's no um, money. But we've solved that of regulation, policy, even plan. We're still uh, working on data every day because data is important as well for effective planning. Now, the funding aspect is there, but you can see deliberate efforts towards uh, solving it. Now, for on-grid, the problem with the on-grid um, for me has been uh, that of a misconception of um, how the power sector should be run, just like it is with the petroleum sector. Um, you know, because of uh, uh, the effect of NEPA, you know, uh, providing cheap electricity at uh, an uneconomical uh, rate, uh, you, know, um, you know, people are now used to having cheap electricity. But now it has moved to the uh, private sector. You cannot really um, continue to generate electricity without somebody paying for it. Someone has to pay for it. So it's either we allow the... Um, the, the market to determine a rate, a regulated rate that is acceptable, um, you know, and uh, allows for uh, cost recovery, you know, um, or charge a, a, a lower rate, but then somebody has to pay for the, for the difference. And government has been paying for that difference as a way of subsidy over the last, uh, I don't know, uh, nine years, since 2013, since the market, uh, you know, was uh, privatized and commercialized. So this is the problem. Farms would not want to go into providing funds for, you know, where there is uncertainty in terms of uh, what happens, you know, um, you know, when interest rates, for instance, go up, what happens when exchange rates, for instance, 
is unfavorable or it changes. What happens when cost of gas, you know, increases? What happens, you know, um, when there is some sort of disruption in government policies and all of that? So we have regulations. Uh, we have the MITO multi-year tariff order and all of those things that have actually spelled out exactly how these things should work. But for some reason, um, I don't know. Um, I don't want to call it political. I don't. I don't want to attribute anything to it. Um, it is just not uh, working. And anytime the regulator tries to, um, you know, allow the regulation to take shape or you know take effect, they always protest and and all. So. Whatever it is, um, it, electricity is a product. For us in rural community, like I mentioned, the regulation is clear and people are, uh, you know, uh, are doing their business. And uh, even the rural people are not complaining, even though the tariff is even higher than what the city, city uh, folks pay. But they are not complaining. They are paying because they are getting service and uh, they, can, they have the power to regulate, you know, their usage as well so, so that their tariff can come down. For me, that's, that's the way to go. We need to allow market forces to determine a cost recovery um, uh, sort of tariff that would allow a, refle a reflection of the cost because you cannot buy something at a certain rate and then you go and sell at a lower rate. It doesn't make sense, right? And yeah. this is why uh, we have liquidity issues within you know, the, the power sector, the, the greed side, the greed side of things. You know, and, uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping that the managers of, of that aspect and uh, you know of of the power sector will eventually uh, be able to succeed. Uh, but for us, we we are we are doing a rural electrification, and uh, I mean we don't have such problems within the space. The Spark is sponsored by Brute Consulting. Brute Consulting helps businesses achieve and sustain innovative growth through a design-led approach. We pursue in-depth insights derived from reliable research and a focus on the future of industry to guide and navigate distribution. We exist to exceed your expectations in all our service offerings, consulting services, in-house trainings, and open workshop. Check out www.brutc.com for more. Thank you so much. Uh, I think you've given us uh, uh, quite an insight. If I may ask you, what's the percentage of rural areas that are currently, you know, electrified in Nigeria that has electri I mean, uh, electricity? Okay, so when we came on board, um, I think the the number then was thirty percent. Uh, but we've done a lot of work, uh, and to be honest, uh, I'm a data person. I don't want to give even the thirty percent. Uh, I don't know where it came from. But well, that was what we met when we came on ground. They said it was 30% that had access, right? So 70% yeah. did not have access. But we know that we've done a lot of work between 2017 and now. So I'm not uh, going to tell you that it is now 50% or 60 because the truth is we haven't done, we haven't, we haven't done a holistic analysis or, 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 or gathering data on ground to justify the numbers. Okay. But it is something that we are also working on. It is a huge project to go around and you know uh, gather this data. Right. We, are, we, are, we are bringing all of the international development agencies that are interested in this uh, sort of task together, um, you know, to see how we can uh, go go around and do 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 this things. We started uh, in 2018 or 2019 to visit some states, a few states, to do sampling. But because of insecurity, again, uh, you yeah. understand that you know it didn't allow us to you know, put boots on the ground and really go around. And that was the stage that we were at 
you know, then because we had done a lot of desktop, you know, using geospatial, you know, data and all of that. And we're getting numbers. But then I insisted, uh, I'm tired of just doing secondary uh, geospatial desktop research. Mm-hmm. I wanted actual numbers on the ground. Mm-hmm. So we started off going to a few states, uh, but then it had to, we had to stop because of uh, problems of insecurity. And until we are able to go on the ground and do these things, I, for one, might not believe in absolute terms what the numbers are. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I agree with you. Um, um, absolutely, you know, on that. Uh, you, you said that you get funding from international, you know, development agencies. And at the same time, because I've been wondering, if you bring private sector into rural electrification, you know, in Nigeria, uh, and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that maybe those in the rural area, actually their handling power is not as high as those in the, in the urban area. So the question of sustainability is the first thing that cropped to my mind. How do they pay for it? If you bring, but you said, well, they pay for it. Uh, yeah, the, so, question of, the, the question of ability and willingness to pay has been settled uh, a long time ago in Nigeria. Okay. Uh, when we did a few, a few pilot projects, uh, say uh, early 2011, 2012, 2013, and we saw from uh, those pilot projects that uh, the willingness and ability to pay, if the services are pro- properly provided, well, yes. is there. Oh, so that great. one has been long, it has been long settled. The people are paying and uh, they are paying promptly and they are eager, you know, you know, to pay. Uh, and uh, we are not just only supplying electricity to the households. We are also targeting communities that have, that already have some sort of electrification, uh, alternative electrification. As, as you know, some of these villages, they don't have lights, so, but they have uh, generators, yeah. right? So they have diesel generators. So they're already using diesel generators or petrol, uh, uh, gasoline generators. You know, mm-hmm. to power their businesses. So by the time we go, uh, the developers we usually lay emphasis on productive use. So we want mm-hmm. to see communities that are farming communities, that have farming clusters, that have SMEs, small and medium enterprises, that have some businesses. So the electricity will now help them. For instance, if it's farming community in, in processing, you know, this uh, this products, and uh, if it's uh, cooling, for instance, you know, it helps in in, in cooling, you know, some of their commodities you know, mm-hmm. and, and the like. So you notice that if you are providing this electricity today, it's even cheaper for them than using uh, diesel constantly. Yeah, diesel generator constantly. But then for so, the households, it might use, it might look slightly higher, but they don't consume as much as we do in the city. So it, they end up paying uh, peanuts, you know, at the end of the month. At the end of right? the month. Yes. Yeah. So since, since you started this, this project, um, has there been any, you know, uh, increase in, you know, SMEs in the rural areas? Because the reason why people are living in the rural areas is because there is no infrastructure. And if you have infrastructure, have you ever, have you ever noticed any, you know, We have a program specifically targeted at productive use. So Good. we are not just providing electricity. We are also providing equipment, productive, efficient you know, uh, processing equipment, for instance, as part of the package in some of our programs. So, because we realize that, uh, you know, we, we don't want to just provide access to households, uh, you know, we, we want to keep those people in the villages. So we're encouraging businesses, we're encouraging uh, productive activities, and, uh, you know, in addition to giving them uh, electricity. So what we've noticed is that, yes, uh, a lot of people are interested and uh, they are picking up the pace and, you know, it is keeping them, you know, comfortable in the village. And we are hoping that if we continue to scale up uh, the work across the country, 
the numbers were now, uh, you know, uh, the quantum of the of those that were that were leaving the rural communities and going to urban areas would reduce, and even most of them might even decide to come back. All right. So I want to ask a question: that uh, if Nigeria is to make any meaningful progress in rural electrification in the next ten years, how much do you think Nigeria actually needs to invest? It's a couple of billions of dollars, right? Uh, we did a, we did an analysis, right? And uh, I think we're looking at around uh, two point five three billion dollars uh, for for those that are unserved and underserved. Um, this will be channeled through various uh, you know technologies and various uh, programs and uh, various vehicles, you know, uh, simultaneously uh, to be able to meet uh, the access target. Hmm. That's that's interesting. So, do we have a clear strategy of how we can raise this fund in the next X years? Well, um, we're already raising some. Um, it's I think the question is how how quickly can we raise all of this? Yes. We have a couple of we have a couple of proposals from uh, you know various various um, people and various stakeholders and various agencies. Uh, but you know things that has to do with finance, uh, you know, it's not really within our purview. We are more of an implementing agency. Okay. It is left to the um, uh, those the Ministry of Finance and the likes, you know, that are interested. Uh, I mean, that that uh, that have this mandate, you know, to you know to do so. When we have a lead, we usually uh, try and you know uh, connect them to the appropriate quarters. Uh, mm. But we have a fantastic relationship with uh, you know the Ministry of Finance, and also uh, the government has really, really, really supported. Um, it's a matter of uh, you know you know competing needs, and, you know, skill of preference in terms of uh, your priorities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the government has given us all the necessary support uh, based on the proposals that we've. We've given. We are hoping that uh, we will continue to get the support, and uh, in no time, um, we'll get all the all the funds that we need. And p- part of the problem, um, you know, uh, why we are still trying to raise funds um, is because the fund, the relocation fund itself, has not been uh, given a sustainable uh, funding uh, vehicle. If you like, uh, only if you compare it to other funds like the uh, TED fund, uh, you know, Tertiary Education uh, Trust Fund, the PEF, Petroleum Localization Fund, uh, Ecological Funds, and other funds, you notice that the act that created them specifically mentioned a certain percentage that should come from somewhere, a certain market, you know, that goes there. For the Petroleum Localization Fund, it's coming from the pump price of uh, petrol, right? Uh, which is sustainable because that money keeps coming in every day. From uh, third fund is from a certain percentage of uh, income by 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 companies, you know, profit by companies, you know, uh, operating within Nigeria. I think two percent or so. I'm not sure. Okay. So I have just two questions before we leave. Uh, if you look at rural electrification uh, project in the world globally, do you have any yeah. model? Do you have any model in any countries that work very well? What do they do? What can we learn from them, and how can we situate that within our local context? Yeah, we we have models from Southeast Asian countries. China is also a very good uh, example uh, of how they were able to uh, electrify all of their one point I don't know five or four billion people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have India who recently did something, but the numbers we are still questioning the numbers. We have uh, Bangladesh. We have um, okay, so yeah, different models. If you look at Brazil. They did the. They did more of the grid extension. They just believed that they wanted to extend the grid to every part of the country, and it worked for them. 
And then if you look at the Bangladesh, uh, China model, they did more of a decentralized, um, you know, uh, solution. And uh, it worked for them. Uh, coming into Africa as well, we have a few countries that are currently doing something. Nigeria is leading in, in those countries in terms of putting all the necessary measures in place. So we've done all of these studies before we decided, for instance, to do our mini-grid regulation, before we decided to set up uh, the, the agency that would drive the process and have the structure. So what, what the problem is now is implementing what we already have. I think we have very good policies and regulations uh, you know, to help us achieve what we need to achieve. Uh, it's just how to implement and have that uh, will to, to follow the regulations to the latter that, that is left. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Now, uh, my last question is, if everything is within your power, you know, to do, what one thing will you do differently so that we can have a radical transformation of uh, rural electrification in Nigeria? Okay. So I think um, putting the right people in place is very important and then empowering them to, um, you know, to, to achieve their mandate is very crit critical. You don't uh, do politics with critical areas like power. You need to put the right people in place. And you need to, people that know what the law says and uh, have uh, experience in, in doing these things, you know, um, and then you, you, you cover them by managing the political angle of things, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think what I've noticed is that a lot of things are, are political in Nigeria. Um, you want to do your job, it's turned into politics. And the people also do not help. A lot of people do not understand what happens or what's supposed to happen. Um, and uh, there's already a bias towards uh, government trying to do its job. And uh, people just see it as uh, these guys are, are just uh, just enjoy making us suffer and all of that. But for me, um, it's just work that needs to be done. It should be done. Um, if you do not want it to be done, it's a different thing. But uh, there is a solution to everything. If, for instance, you want to do surgery, I mean, obviously, you should expect pain, you should expect recovery, <laughs> recovery, recovery, recovery period, and all of that. It's either you do it or you don't, right? So, uh, for me, that, that's the case. You get people that can do it, uh, you give them the tools and empower them to do the job, and, uh, and then we would all recover together. Thank you so much. Um, for me, I believe what you said is there is need for us to depoliticize energy development you know, yes. in Nigeria, um, you know, just say it the way it is, is that we need to depoliticize it. We need to put the right people there. We need to, those who know what they are doing. And uh, and with that, I believe things will move faster than they are now. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you, Dr. O'Hare. Uh, I don't know, is there anything that you feel the our uh, audience you expect from a rural electrification uh, agency in the next few years? I can be a beacon of hope, you know, uh, to people, especially those, the young people who want to have their businesses in the rural areas, where they believe that the cost of living, the cost of doing business is going to be cheaper than being in Lagos or Abuja or Ibadan and all those places. So what just, do you just to just to encourage them, just to encourage them and let them know that we feel their pain, we understand their plights. We are young people too. In fact, the agency is run by a young uh, MD, Ahmad Salihijo. I'm also young, and the, the head of the uh, technical department is a young person. And we have so many young people doing business with us. We've, we've empowered a, a lot of young companies through our programs, and they are the ones really driving this. We are just creating the environment. So they should expect just more communities to be lit up, 
um, you know, uh, provided electricity to most of these are programs every day they are evolving. So mm-hmm. uh, as they evolve, we implement. It takes a bit of time, but they should just keep expecting more from us. We've done quite a lot, uh, but a lot more needs to be done. Uh, we're only just going to take it one community at a time as we provide the electricity. So uh, the horizon is, 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 is clear. The future is, is, is bright. Let's keep hope alive and uh, hopefully we'll get to uh, their community soon. Beautiful, you. beautiful. You know, I agree with you when you say uh, those are the heads of affair of uh, rural electrification agency in Nigeria are quite young. I think uh, that's a bit exceptional and I think they've put the right people you know, uh, there who can deliver, you know, who, are, who understand the pain point. Thank you so much. Uh, I think you've given us uh, uh, quite an insight. Pleasure to have you on this program. Thank you very much. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Spark by Brit Consulting. To subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, Head over to www.drutc.com forward slash spark so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate our rating. Or simply tell a friend or colleague about the show and that will help us out. You might also want to check out our open workshop for the month or the free resources and materials on our website www.drutc.com.